Podular Modcast is made possible by Patchwork Seattle, After Later Audio, and listeners such as yourself. If you would like to keep these conversations coming each week, please visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Eschatonic Modular. Eschatonic Modular is solely focused on the design and development of the finest, sexiest, and easiest to install modular synthesizer cabinet, hardware, and power solutions for DIY and professional case builders. To learn more, please visit eschatonicmodular.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. I'm your host, Tim Held. That's H-E-L-D. Held. Not H-E-L-T. I realize when I say it out loud, it sounds like I'm saying helt a lot of the time. Um, But no, it's held, which in English is pretty boring. It's just a past tense verb. Um, It's not even a cool verb. But in German, it means hero. And that is fitting because I am here to save you from a boring Monday morning. Welcome back to the show. That was terrible. Um, what if that's who I really was? Like, what if in the back of my head, as I did, as I just said that last cheesy dad joke morning radio type thing, um, what if in the back of my head I was thinking like, God damn, I'm getting good at this podcast hosting shit. Um, <laughs> anyways, we have an exciting show for you today. We have Morgan from Wrong Electronics, and no, I'm not saying that warring. Um we have a good chat, and it's he's got a great story of how he eventually found himself uh, the head of a modular company, but we'll get to that in a moment. I just want to ask you a question really quick. Do you want to win a 15U Eurorack case? Any width up to 168 HP loaded with Eschatonic modular hardware and power? A Needham Woodworks case? Do you want to win one of those? Well, because you can go do that. You can go enter uh, comp- the competition. Um, on needhamwoodworks.com I think also I think you just have to pay for shipping but it is a dang good deal because uh, as you've seen in my Instagram and YouTube videos and you've heard me chatting my case is gorgeous and I absolutely love it I have a 15U 120HP and I tell you what that's a that's a lot of room that's a lot of real estate to go patching around in so yeah that's a lot of fun head over to needhamwoodworks.com to learn how you can enter to win You know, the tricky thing about being a truly compassionate person is extending that compassion to those that we don't agree with, or to even those that we despise. And let's just think about that. The people that we despise, or even see as evil, might be the people who deserve our compassion the most. Because I want you to picture the biggest asshole you've ever met in your life. Were they a happy person? Did they like themselves? Probably not. They acted that way because they were most likely afraid of something that they didn't understand. And I think that's what's going on right now in the world. And I just want to say, as we enter this 2020 election cycle here in the United States, let's try to keep our composure and be compassionate towards each other because shit is about to go crazy. Things are going to get really fucking weird, especially on social media 
with all the different, uh, you know, bot farms making memes to piss each other off, uh, it's just going to be, we're going to see a lot more of this division that we have been experiencing over the past few years. And uh, I just want to say, don't buy into it and don't contribute to it if you can. Let's, I'm, I'm saying this more out loud for myself. Um, and the reason I say this is because I was just over at my parents' house because my mom had knee replacement surgery, so my sisters and I each found some time that we could contribute to helping with her recovery because my dad works nights and he's getting old, so we didn't want too much to be on his plate. Um, and when I, you know, my mom has been a nightly news person her whole life, um, and her and my father in the last few years have become almost exclusively Fox News people, which has been very troubling. And my, near, my knee-jerk reaction has been to uh, either just kind of stay away from them or, you know, tell them that I think they're Nazis. Uh, neither of which are at all helpful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to find ways to, uh, to be compassionate. Yes, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to have compassion for people who believe such hateful things like uh, what Fox News is, is spewing out there. But just let's keep in mind that we are so, even you listening, you, you say that you're not, but we are all so susceptible to the great propaganda machine that is mass media. And uh, let's just try to be compassionate towards each other for that. Because um, I don't think my parents are hateful people. I don't think they are full of hate. In fact, they're both deeply religious. So it's, it's, and obviously that's super, super contradictory. And I've pointed that out, but pointing that out doesn't help. So I'm going to try to just cultivate compassion for everybody because we're all going through some shit right now. And we're about to really go through some shit right now. So I just really want to emphasize that we got to try to be compassionate even towards those who we may think don't deserve it. Okay, let's let's talk about something a little bit more lighthearted now. So I'm watching this cat gif the other day. Um just kidding. Actually, I wish I was kidding. I have become one of those people that when a cat gif shows up on my feed, I I click every single one of them. What have I become? Anyways, uh Hannah and I got this like this wild hair the other night and decided that we were going to go down to the art supply store and each buy an easel and some canvases and paintbrush and we just we bought everything you need to start painting and I've I haven't painted since art class and I've never taken it seriously I, I just always said I'm not an artist I can't do that so we went and got this and um, I spent about 10 hours yesterday <laughs> painting I was supposed to be doing this intro that you're listening to right now, but uh, I started painting, and uh, yeah, I I'm not good at it, but it's really, really fun. So uh, yeah, that's just a little side note. Anyways, just a few reminders. Saturday, March 7th at 4 p.m. at Substation here in Seattle, Modular Nights, featuring our boy Ian Price, a.k.a. NatureBot, his first performance in five years. Please come out and show him some love. Also, uh... Greg Markle, Animals at Night, who d uh, did the great theme song for the podcast. He'll be there, among many others. Also, I want to remind you all that the Tim and Tess EP is out now on Bandcamp or Spotify. Stutterpunk EP with my friend Tess. I'm, I'm really proud of it. I really like it. Um, so you can go to selfcenteredbandcamp.com to learn more about that or look on Spotify. Um, and I think that's about all I have to talk about. Let's get into our chat with Morgan from Warren. 
Morgan McWaters, um, you are in the running for one of the coolest names of a guest on the show thus far. So welcome to PodMod. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? Um, yeah, pretty good. I Hang on. I'm, this Skype is trying to tell me how to do Skype. I'm just going to turn <laughs> off the things. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. It's it's kind of pretty early for me over here. Um, 10 in the morning. And it's tomorrow to me, right? It's Thursday yeah, it for is. you, right? Yep, yep. Oh, man, time's weird. And I yeah, see so we're... if there's any... Uh, Oh wait, you've you've also got some kind of yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say we're both wearing <laughs> uh, black and white uh, death metal shirts. Except mine's mine's not really death metal. Neither is mine. Mine's a, a record store here in Seattle. All right, mine's. Do you know that band Beak? No. Um, it's one of the dudes from Portishead. They're from the UK. Kind of crowdy. I'm not good at genres, but yeah. Okay. They did a they did like a Dark Throne ripoff T-shirt thing. Okay. I was I was yeah. I have this. Um, this fantasy of making a really, really chill ambient album and having the album art just be like as death metal as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I've, I was just telling a friend, I've been fooled a, a number of times by uh, by like cassette covers of like like death metal. I'm just like, it looks so cool. And then I buy it and I listen to it. And I'm like, it's cool. And then the singer starts and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> it's like i love the art so much that it <laughs> um well i really appreciate you taking the time here to talk to us i'm i'm really fascinated by um by your modules and even even though i haven't used any of them yet they uh they all seem like something that i'm i'm kind of looking for and before i get into your background i just kind of just by looking at what you've made i had a suspicion and i want to see if i'm right before getting into making modulars, were you uh, self-trained or did you or did you study mix engineering? Um, yeah, I I studied mix engineering and I, I worked as a live engineer for I don't know ten or fifteen years. Okay, that makes yeah, a lot of sense looking at your modules. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of I just make stuff that I want to have. <laughs> and, <laughs> And there's a whole bunch of things where you, when you're coming from that kind of mixing background, mm -hmm. you're like, well, there should be this in modular, but yeah. Yeah. I was actually just talking with uh, Abe from AI and I was just like, I was, I was kind of lamenting the lack of, um, cool EQ options. And he was like, well, just use a filter. And then, and then I'm like, but then I'm not using the filter in the cool way that you can use a filter. Um, but I also get the whole like rack space thing, but it, it seems like I don't want to jump the gun, but it really seems like the sound stage is like exactly what I'm looking for. But I, I want to get into that later. I wanted to just get your, we got a little tastier history just now, but like, I always like to start, um, do, what was like your earliest memory that kind of made you realize that whether it's being a musician or, or or just being in, in music in some capacity, like what grabbed you and when, when did you realize like, this is, this is my path? Um, I don't know. Like, I think, uh, like when I was like 15 or 16 or something, um, I kind of started getting into like the local kind of, I guess, indie rock kind of scene here and going to shows and stuff. And, um, yeah, I, at that point, I guess I, I was like, I want to do something with music. I didn't know what I wanted to do yet, but yeah. And then, yeah, I kind of started playing in a band 
a bit after that, I guess in my early twenties and stuff. And yeah. What was the, uh, your instrument then? Um, well, I, it's funny actually, cause I, um, uh, my housemates at the time mm-hmm. were in this band and I couldn't play anything. And <laughs> they, they kind of just were like, do you want to be in the band? Did they make you and be the bass think, player? No, it, it was like all electronic. It, it was oh, all okay. it was all synths. Like, um, and I they they had a, like a show coming up, and they'd hired a mixer, like a, just a little Behringer, you know, six track mixer thing. Um, and no one could work out how to use it. And I was in the house because it was my house too. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, just give me the manual. I like I'm a nerd. I can figure out how to use this thing. <laughs> and then I was like, I was like in that band for a few years where. I would just be like standing on the side of the stage mixing and like pressing play on the mini disc recorder that had the backing tracks. <laughs> and then like, like then I started playing around with effects and stuff. And I think I was probably in that band for like maybe five years before I actually played an instrument on stage. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a weird band. Yeah. That sounds a really fun weird. band, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, uh, yeah, this is like Brian Eno to Roxy Music. Wasn't he always off off stage doing weird stuff? Yeah, um, I I've heard this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was he was a bit of an early inspiration. Like it's like, oh wait, Brian Eno is really cool, and he didn't do the normal band things. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I guess was synth then like just like a, a regular like desktop synth? Was that kind of where you went first when you when you started? venturing out into an, um, an actual instrument rather than a mixer? Um, I think the first thing I bought was like uh, SP202, like that, the old, you know, the SP404 sampler? Uh, I'm not like, familiar with it. Uh, it's it, uh, There's certain genres of music where everyone has one, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like a little, little Roland, like, you know, sampler, like this big kind mm-hmm. of thing with like, 12 pads on the bottom. Oh, and I, yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. Yes. My yeah, old yeah. band had the, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the 202 was like the very first one. And I can't remember how much sample time it had, but it was hardly any and it sounded like rubbish. And um, <laughs> and you couldn't, like editing, like trimming stuff was really hard. So I kind of had that for a while and then I wanted like a better sampler. So I spent like $900 on an S2000 like Akai thing, just just as their value started to plummet. Um, oh no! <laughs> and yeah, so and then I, I was like, I had a whole bunch of samples on that, and I would be like loading stuff off zip disks, and and you know, I had I'd carry around a an old Apple CD ROM, like just so that I could get from one kind of SCSI to the right kind of SCSI that I needed, and yeah, all sorts of clunky things like that. <laughs> okay, so how did you then eventually find yourself in the the modular world? Um, I, I mean, I I think like a lot of people, I was like, that's that looks really cool. I want to have something to do with it, but it's really expensive, uh-huh. and I can't <laughs> afford it. And then like, I got to a point where, um, like I'd I'd started mixing bands, and I also had a day job at a university. And as I kind of started mixing more often, I, you know, it was almost like having two jobs. And so I'm like, wait, I've got a little bit of disposable income now. This is like in 2010. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm like, cool, I'm going to buy some modular stuff. And so it was like, 
Sorry, was, where did uh, you yeah. first see him? Where like it's it seems like you you got to have like a friend in the know or someone who kind of opens the door for you and say, "Hey, you need to check this out." Like, or did you just see it at I a store know. one day? I don't I I like um like back in the day I was on like the vintage synth explorer forum all the time. Uh-huh. Like um like a little bit obsessively and um <laughs> I guess I kind of learned about them there. Okay. Yeah. So your experience mixing as kind of like as a part of, as a part of a band, but mixing off stage and and kind of back doing backing track stuff led you. That is is that what led you to be a mix engineer then? Like just kind of having so yeah, yeah. much experience with a with a mixing board, you just kind of like graduated up to mix engineering. Uh, I I think it was more like that. I wanted to learn how to do it properly. Like yeah, because when I started, I was just like, you know, like. You know, it's pretty easy to work out what the faders do and like what EQ does, but then, you know, I'd be, I'd like we'd go to mix shows, and this is also like I don't I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but uh, this is like 15 years ago. There weren't that many bands doing live electronic stuff, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, we'd we'd go to venues and like the sound engineer there would be like, "Where's the drums? Like, where are your instruments? Where's your amps?" And they'd have like two <laughs> DIs. That's that's actually because all the venues would would only have two DIs. So that's why I had to mix stuff on stage because okay, that makes sense. You know, there's like, like there's like five instruments or something, and so there's never enough DIs. So that's why we had to submix. Um, and yeah, I think I just kind of it was a a combination of like learning a bit of stuff from from all of those interactions with the engineers because we were like playing you know a couple of shows a month for like quite a few years Mm -hmm. um and then also being like okay well i like people talk about compressors but i don't really understand how it works and i think i had a i had an npc that had a compressor thing built in Mm -hmm. but i could never tell what it was doing and (laughs) it might possibly have just been like not a very good compressor but yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> did it yeah, not have any way to like edit the like the the ratio and and like attack and release and stuff it it had that but it was just numbers uh-huh oh, like it right. was an npc 1000 and so you'd be like there was there was no like gain reduction meter or anything like that mm-hmm. so you kind of just had to use your ears and like i don't know maybe my ears weren't very well trained at that point or maybe it just wasn't very good i, I imagine it was probably a little bit of both right like because it seems yeah because that that takes it takes some it takes some uh some time to get to to be able to tell the difference just by listening but yeah without without meters yeah it'd be so hard to train your ear because you wouldn't know what you're yeah, listening yeah, yeah. for yeah exactly wow. yeah wow, and and so also because i because I, I didn't really know like i was it was like, I know that a compressor is a thing that makes things louder and quieter, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's all I knew. And then I'm like, how it, it's like when I turn down this output gain, it gets quieter and louder. But yeah, I yeah. don't understand the rest of the time. <laughs> okay. So, so wait, did you go, did you go through some sort of program then? Like, did you, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I did, did like a sound production course at like a, like a vocational school. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And do you do that stuff yeah. still? Uh, not all the time, mm-hmm. but I still I'll mix I'll mix a few shows. Yeah, like here or there, like uh, kind of. I don't know. For a while, I was doing like lots of little punk shows in little venues and stuff, and like it's really bad for your hearing. 
Um, yeah. Now I'll do like festivals and stuff. Oh, cool. Like, yeah. But, so you're, yeah, so you're like a each. hired gun. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I, I just finished last night. I'm the quarter ended, but I, I teach at a, um, at a trade school. And one of the classes yeah. I teach is, uh, sound distribution because it's, uh, we're low voltage electricians. Um, so this whole class is basically, I teach them about mic- different type of microphones, speakers. Um, and then there's a small effects, um, section and, compressors are one of them and uh yeah basically all they have to remember is that compressors limit or level the dynamic range of a signal that's like all they that's all the the information they need to learn so it's it's a fun but easy class to teach and i actually um i got to bring my i bring my modular in for the lab because i would teach them oh, about yeah. delay and reverb and compression and i have a little compression uh module so yeah it's it's a good good ex, uh, excuse to bring the synth into class it's pretty cool but, um, yeah, that's just a little aside. What was I going to ask you? God damn it. Um, what part of Australia are you in? Are you in Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah. Melbourne. Okay. And that is the West coast, correct? Uh, no, it's the, it the East coast. It's the, it's it, well, most of Australia is on the East coast. Um, like, yeah, like, Oh no, I'm thinking Melbourne Perth. Is, Perth is the West yeah, coast. Perth, right? Perth is West coast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like okay. Perth is basically the only thing on the West coast. Right. Okay, cool. Apologies um, and, to anyone else who lives on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> and did you go see Tim and Eric when they were just on tour down there? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> but a friend of mine did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, I, I, I think we talked about it a little bit on the email, but it sounds like you weren't too terribly affected by the fires down there. And it sounds like they've kind of cooled down. Yeah. Although I found out I was, I was chatting to someone uh, the other day and... I found out that there were actually some fires that were a lot closer than I thought, like from when I talked to you mm-hmm. in the email last week, um, yeah. like, you know, maybe like half an hour drive, like still kind of in the city, but like in a kind of leafy area of the city. Uh huh. Like, yeah, there were some fires. I had no idea about it, but yeah, like it's kind of, it's cleared up. It's, it's a bit nicer for like for, for a while, like for a few weeks, it was just smoky everywhere. Yeah. I've, I mean, so I, I grew up in, in Washington state. Everybody thinks of Washington as this like lush, green, wet area of the country. But because of the, the Cascade Mountains on the just on the east side of those where I grew up, um, it's actually like high desert and it's really, really dry. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just a few years ago before I moved to Seattle, there was really, really bad fires over there. And for about a month and a half, our whole town, it looked like Silent Hill like yeah, ash yeah. falling and is us like, and it, and you just, you feel like shit the whole time and the sun's red in the sky. It's just like, it's like literally feels like you're in hell. It's, yeah. it's really nasty stuff. So like, I don't know when that was going on, I was really, I was really feeling for all you guys down there. Um, and everything that we saw up here, I mean, I know it was bad. I'm, I'm not taking away from that, but of course the media likes to sensationalize everything. And yeah, every, yeah. they were showing these pictures from space that just made it look like the whole fucking, the entire continent was just like on fire. Like, yeah. I, that, <laughs> that photo though, like I, I saw that one as well. It was, but that wasn't like, that was like digitally superimposed. Like uh-huh. here is where the fires are, but like it, they made it look like, it was actually, you could see the fire from space, but right. I think that was just drawn over the top. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still it was, it was pretty bad and it's like, I don't know. It's, uh, 
this is totally off off the the topic of modular synths, but it's kind of scary. It's pretty scary. Um, and we're we're gonna have some of that here. I mean, we already have it pretty bad in some parts of uh, the mountain regions, mountain regions of the the states. So I don't know. But let's talk, let's talk about synths, not not forest fires. Um, I guess it's you, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you know you 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 made these things because they were what you wanted. So you get into modular. Um, you just start, did you just like start noticing like, Hey, why doesn't something like this exist? And why doesn't something like this exist? And then how does that lead to you building modules? Did you have any sort of like electrical knowledge before? Did, were you a DIYer or a circuit bender or anything? Um, yeah, I did. I did like a bunch of DIY stuff. Um, uh, I like, I think even before I was in getting into sense, Oh, yeah, actually, when I when I first joined that band, I like built a, a theremin from a kit, and mm-hmm. like, because you know it's just, you know, it's color by numbers basically. Yeah, so, like that easy stuff. And yeah, like, and then I'm like, why doesn't it work properly? Why is it pick, picking up the radio from the the taxis <laughs> and shit like that? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I think, one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to build my own stuff was when I like was when I was getting into synths, I think the first actual synth that I bought that wasn't a sampler was a Dave Smith Evolver mm-hmm. and Those are the cool. signal path in that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're all, like, they, I don't know this, I'm kind of over the sound of them now, but mm-hmm. like they're amazingly flexible and it was the desktop one and you can use that as like a, a delay unit. You can use it to process audio coming in. Those yeah, are like, like the purplish blue ones, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like the the weird box, like you know, yeah. with, with just like the kind of grid with buttons and, uh-huh. and the knobs on the top. Um, but yeah, because that that thing was all in stereo, um, and then like I yeah I had the desktop one, and then later on I bought the keyboard, um, and that was like my main synth for like a long time, mm-hmm. and um, I was just kind of so used to working in stereo, and then when I started with modular. Um, I was like, why, <laughs> like now I have to buy two of everything. Like I just <laughs> spent like a couple of grand getting like a really basic thing and I wanted it to be stereo. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I think, yeah, like, uh, the, the thing that kind of made me start building my, like designing and building my own modules is when I was first getting into, into modular, I yeah I was going through that whole stereo thing and then I posted on Muffwiggler like someone should make a mid-side processor it, and it would just be super easy you just have like the inputs L and R and then output MS and then input MS and mm-hmm. yeah um and I think there was a little bit of discussion there and uh and then I think and a few years later like 4 or 5 years later I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone's done a, a mid-side processor yet for modular because I was still kind of interested in that sort of stuff. And so I'm I'm just Googling Eurorack mid-side processor and then I, you know, search and it's like, oh, cool, there's a, someone's like talking about it on Muffwiggler. I'll click on the thing. And then it was my post was five g- years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I saw and that coming. So I was I'm, so hoping that that was what you were going to say. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, well, so me from the mm. past says someone should do this, <laughs> so I'm gonna do it. And yeah, so 
like it's it's like a super easy circuit so i just like made i had a bunch because from doing the diy stuff i had like a bunch of parts just lying around and like a little strip board thing and like i just made it the very first one which i don't have here um but yeah it's just made out of like you know it's really ugly strip board with wires and stuff on uh -huh. it but it worked and the circuit is pretty much the same as the the version that I'm selling at the moment. Okay. And can you, can you walk through, walk us through what that exactly is? So, um, it's basically like the, from the way I understand it, separation of a stereo signal. It's so it's, so a stereo signal is already separated, but it, it further separates it based on frequencies or, uh, no, it's, it's kind of, it's like a send and return loop basically for stereo. Okay. okay. Where, um, you have like a, so, so you can process the mid and the side, but uh, it's not really the mid and the side. Like the, the mid signal is the left plus right, like added together. So it's a mono sum. Uh -huh. And then the, the side is the, um, the left minus the right. So uh -huh. it's any difference between them. So if, so if a signal is kind of pan to the center, it'll be equal in the left and the right. So in the side there's nothing and as it's panned to one side or the other then um yeah it like appears more in the side okay i th wow i think i feel like one of my students now when i'm trying to explain them the difference between trs and ts cables um so yeah it's i i mean i it's it would be easier for me to to do it if I had diagrams. I know stuff, I was going to say, yeah. can you draw me a picture, but that won't help the listener. So can you maybe just think of an example of a type of sound and then how you, how, and what the, uh, the LRMSM SLR, I think I got that right. Um, and what, what it would do. Um, uh, so like the basic kind of studio, um, usage of it, would be doing compression for when you're cutting vinyl because you don't like, so, you know, when you've got like uh, a stereo compressor and it's got like the side chains are joined together so that it evenly compresses both sides. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you've got a compressor that doesn't have a side chain input, you run it through the mid side processor, then you can process, like you can compress the mid and the side separately. I see. But it'll, go back together as a signal that kind of makes sense coherently. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, like my, my original thought when I made it, I was like, oh, it'll be a, a way so that I can have stereo signal path where I can use two separate filters that aren't the same and they're not perfectly matched. And it kind of, because of the stuff it does with phase, that works sometimes and not other times. Uh-huh. Or like you get weird artifacts sometimes. But... It lets you do cool things like you can, um, uh, because like the the stereoness of a stereo signal is dependent on the side. If you turn the side down, it makes a stereo signal go from like like wide stereo down to mono. Mm -hmm. And then if you invert the side signal, it reverses the stereo. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you can start modulating that stuff. Like I've got a, what is it? I think it's blinds. I always get blinds and veils confused. Uh -huh. It's the, the the one that lets you reverse the signal. I think it's, I think it's blinds. Uh -huh. um, 
And so if you run the side through that, you can do audio rate, rate modulation where you end up with a a thing that sounds like ring mod, but it is happening in the stereo field. Okay. So wait, um, is it panning so fast? That's what gives you the ring mod sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. So it, it can be used practically and as kind of like a cool, like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. like signal processing effect almost. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. And like that, that, that like ring modi thing, I didn't. Like that was something that I realized I could do after I'd already made the module. I was like, "Oh, oh, this is cool." I love that. <laughs> that's like that's like a, a perfect um, anecdote for like why modular is cool. It's like yeah, yeah, even, yeah. Even somebody who built something like oh yeah, it does this thing that I didn't know it did, but it's like this cool happy accident. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so that was the first one. And so by the time you built this, was it where you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna." Did you start selling them like through Muff Wiggler or something, or do you like I want to start my own company? Did you? I I know a lot of people start start with an idea and then halfway through that design they start thinking of a new thing. Was like so, what was like the progression for you into a company? Well, it um, it like to begin with, I just kind of when I when I made the the little one off thing, um, I just posted it on the DIY forum saying, hey, check this out. I'm going to make a circuit board for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, because I, I wanted a thing that looked like a real module. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the, like the factory, I think it was a minimum order of 10. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll have two of these and then I'm going to have eight circuit boards left over. So I was like, does anyone want these other eight? And then like a whole bunch of people were like, yeah, that's cool. Um, and I ended up, I sold all of that, those eight, and then there were more people who were like, wanted more, and so I think I ordered another ten, and then like, there were more people, and uh, it just kind of like snowballed, I guess. Like it was just a thing that I wanted, and then other people wanted it, and yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Did you do the panel layout with like the, yeah, the yeah. kind of like punk rock writing and stuff? So is that what the originals yeah. looked like? Yeah, yeah, except the original one is red, I think. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've got one. But yeah. Uh, Someone out there yeah, listening is like, I have one of those red ones. And if you do, yeah, I think good on you. There were like, there's maybe a, a hundred or so, maybe 120 red ones. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I I think the, yeah, the, like the reason that it sort of started getting bigger is um, Steve from Thonk sent mm -hmm. me a message and was just like, hey, uh, can I sell them in my shop? And I'm like, okay, sure. Nice. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I, like, I, like, it was red with, like, with a white, white print on it. Uh-huh. And, because I kind of, like, you know how there's some people who are, like, I want my modular to all look the same. Yeah. And, like, they buy those grayscale panels and put them on things. And, and I'm, like the opposite. I want it to look like a pedal board. I want it to look ridiculous. I'm kind of with you. Um, like everybody's going black now. Um, and like I, my whole case, I've got 15 U and it's like 90% black. And I'm like kind of bummed about, it. I mean, it looks beautiful, but I'm kind of bummed about it. But I know like the black with the gold is easy because when you etch out the PCB, the gold is what's yeah, under yeah. there. So if anybody's wondering and wondering like, Hey, why is everybody doing black and gold? It's not so much because it's a trend in design. It's just, a, it's that much easier to do because when you scratch yeah, yeah. away the PCB, it's gold under there. So if you didn't know, now, you know, um, yeah. 
But so, so, so Steve from, I think he's done that with a few people. If I remember right, I think maybe that's kind of how music thing modular really got started too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was, yeah, a similar kind of thing, except maybe it was more like Tom was like, here's my cool thing. You do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know that Thonk, ha- I need, I need to, I need to get Thonk on the show. Um, Steve, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. He yeah. would be a, a good interviewer. Steve, he, if you're yeah. listening, I'm going to email you soon. And if I don't, it's because I'm dumb and I forgot. And if you want to email me, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so you're, you're, you start supplying. So, so Thonk starts carrying your stuff. So now you're like, I need a name. Well, I guess, did you, did you, it's, it's, you pronounce it wrong, right? Yeah. It's because I think some people like to say warn. But it's wrong. Yeah, I say that too sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I just say whatever. I don't. It, it was. It was never kind of meant to be said out loud. Like, <laughs> I think some people are listening and they're, they're a half hour in. They're like, they ha- he hasn't asked how to pronounce it yet. Um, so did you? Did you? You were so you were wrong from the beginning. Yeah. Well, that was the name of my solo project. Like okay. My, my and when I did the very first one. Um, I thought it would be funny to put that on the panel like it was a real company. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, kind of. <laughs> like and now it's a real company. <laughs> yeah, and and the the thing as well like um like that was a, like it was a, just a stupid pun when I like I started doing music by myself and then I needed a name for it. And I think I'd seen somebody spelt wrong wrong on a web page <laughs> or something and i was like it'd be funny if if i called my thing this and then when people google it they'll just get a bunch of websites with typos <laughs> and yeah it, that that joke doesn't work anymore unfortunately <laughs> and so now i'm just stuck with this this pun name that i have to explain all the time <laughs> i i really love that it started as a joke though that is it's this is like a it's like um it's an it's like it's a unique it's a unique but kind of classically modular story, like built out of necessity. I didn't know it was going to do this thing. And then it turns out like typically if, if there's something you're looking for and it's not there, then somebody else wants it too. That's, that seems to be a trend, you know, in, in the modular world. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, cause anybody could have done this at any point in like the five years in between when I first uh. said someone should do this. And uh-huh. when I actually did do it, like, <laughs> I don't know. There's like, there's like a weird power in just deciding that you're going to do something. Totally. That's, Absolutely. That, yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, when I first started the show, um, I, I forgot who it was, but I had, I had somebody pretty well known in the modular community on the show kind of early on. And I had somebody, they said, how did you get so-and-so? I said, I asked. Yeah, it's like I think a lot of people think there's just like this weird, like invisible barricade between uh, them and something becoming real. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. Achieve your dreams, everybody. Um, So, what was next? Was Vector Space next? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, oh, that that thing took me like two years to do. Like, well, it's quite a bit more complicated, right? If I'm if I'm guessing, the the circuitry is probably quite a bit more complicated. Yeah, it's. It's actually quite similar to the like the mid side module. Okay. Um, 
yeah, like one of the ideas that made that happen was I was, I had like, because I was making the modules, I had like a bunch of them and then I was using them for CV processing, like just kind mm -hmm. of cross-patching heaps of them uh -huh. to get really complex uh, CV stuff happening. And so then, yeah, like that kind of a little bit turned into some of the ideas for vector space. Okay, that makes sense. So after a while of patching these together, you're kind of like, wait a minute, if I made these changes, this could just become its own thing. Yeah, yeah. And also I was like, around, actually just before I made the, the mid-side module originally, I like I was getting involved in DIY stuff and I, um, I wanted to make a four-voice keyboard thing. And I, so like I started building stuff and like I got my friend who's a woodworker to help me like design the case and things. And then I was trying to write some code to scan the keyboard to, to do like the MIDI, you know, like the keyboard reading thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then I started doing a online like coding course to get my coding better because it wasn't working. And then I ended up going to university to study electronic engineering kind of because I wanted to make this keyboard. Okay. And, then, <laughs> and I was like sitting in like a maths class doing this like vector maths and like not really paying attention and just like drawing in my notebook. I was like, how can I make this into a module? Like this is really cool uh, conceptually. Mm -hmm. uh, and so then I kind of started, I was like, well, if I had a cube and it looked like this and then you're moving the X, Y, and Z with CVs. And then, yeah, that was vector space. Like that's how that kind of came into existence. I love that. So you're sitting in your electronic, you're, you're sitting there in your EE class and rather than paying attention, you're 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 trying to <laughs> design a new module, and then it becomes a module. And then, so I'm kind of I, I get the the general idea. Basically, you're the the idea is you're taking what three control voltages, and then kind mm -hmm. of like mixing them in certain ways to create what is it like seventeen? Yeah, yeah. Unique and and it's so it's called it's basically it's it's uh, described if I'm gonna whittle it down to a simple phrase spatial cv mixing uh right? yeah yeah i i think i i can't remember what i wrote on the box like to, <laughs> to describe it but let's yes. see i think i have the page pulled up and i think that's what i took away from it but i was kind of like what does what does spatial cv mixing mean um but I mean, I, I think also you look at the the panel. It looks it's just inherently like inviting. It's really cool looking, and um, I imagine kind of like some of your make noise stuff. If you if you study the graphic, you'll actually start understanding what's happening here. Yeah, I like like one thing I really like about the make noise stuff is you look at like like my module is like on the other side of the room here, but I can <laughs> I can see like what is a maths and I can uh -huh. see, you know, like, like you, you, you can tell what it is just by looking at it. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the DERPA stuff is really awesome. Like it sounds great, but I hate having to like actually read the yeah. thing. It's like, <laughs> Oh wait, that's, that's the dual VCA. Oh, that one's the filter. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I really like that kind of distinctive, uh, you know, like, I think it's, maybe it's in Japanese cooking or something. They say, like, the first bite is with the eye. I can't, uh -huh. I think I, I think I heard that on, on Iron Chef or something. Maybe. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, um, and I think it's the same with modules. Like, you, you know, you, 
you want to kind of get inspired by looking at the thing. I I totally agree, and it's funny. I there's it seems like it's it's like it's definitely polarizing, like panel layout. And I've I've heard people you know complain about um, make noise stuff. I personally like it because I I'm I'm the same as you. Like I don't I don't do well with technical reading stuff. So if if the manual if if it's like a grayscale panel and there's a dense manual, I'm probably not going to learn how to use it as quickly as I would mm. something like a maths. Um, yeah. And it seems like the, the vector space, like I've always been kind of drawn to it because it's, it's a, it's got a cool graphic with a lot of, um, a lot of input output jacks, but there's like no knobs on it. And it's, and I'm just like, okay, there's, there's something mysterious about that. So, um, what exactly is going on with that thing? Uh, it's yeah, it's basically a bunch of a bunch of wave shaping and mixing. Um like the yeah, the idea of it was that if you if you were moving a point around inside a, a unit cube, mm-hmm. like as you move the point closer to the corners, the voltage there would go up. And so I kind of like yeah, if I'd done it with a like a microprocessor, if I'd done it digitally, I'd kinda could have gotten an accurate result. But mm-hmm. I, I did it all analog. And so the the results aren't mathematically accurate, but they, you know, they kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they sound they sound cool, anyways. Um, yeah. And and so that works with what with, with uh, CV and audio. Yeah, right? yeah. it's because it's because it's analog. It'll just pass whatever through. Okay. Cool. But yeah, you get you get more interesting results from CV. But I've heard people using it for audio in ways where I'm like, oh, that's quite cool. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Now, is there any sort of, like, logic component to it? Uh, no. Okay, cool. Yeah, I actually, I don't really know um, anything about electrical engineering, but I was just wondering, because a lot of things that seem to combine or blend uh, CV sources seem to have some sort of logic component to it. Um, And then, so the sound stage seems like it's kind of similar to vector space, but what I'm, like so fascinated about like so my thing is where's the eq you know i, I want some yeah, cool yeah. E, but then that's 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 valuable re like real estate in iraq but it seems like the way that you have it set up on the sound stage while you can't like dial in the eq like with a potentiometer or anything you kind of maybe did you like figure here are the sweet spots and i you don't have to dial them in here it is yeah yeah well like i because I was like mixing bands live for like a long time, I would kind of like I'd already know how to EQ like a kick drum so that it would sit in the mix and a snare and like when you're doing that stuff, it's always just about kind of cutting cutting out the things which aren't really necessary to mm-hmm. be like you know that particular sound. Like you don't need you know. Uh, like guitars, for example, you can kind of cut them off at like 5K or even lower sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, the, the kind of essence of a guitar is kind of sitting in the, the 2K region mm-hmm. and then like a bit more low end depending on what kind of tone you want. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's coming out of the guitar that is going to get in the way of the vocals. And so, uh, yeah, like everything is, is kind of like that. Like you're just kind of cutting little holes for other things to sit in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'd I'd kind of had had the idea of 
doing a mixer in a different way for a while. And I'd been kind of just thinking about, like it was like an idea that had been kind of going around my head for a couple of years. And then I was like, wait a second, uh, I'll just kind of make something that filters out like the, like, cause you know, when you, you're making a sound with a synth, you can just, you can fill up the whole frequency spectrum like mm -hmm. super easily. You kind of can't do that with a guitar because the amp limits the tone. Like, like you can't get like 30 hertz out of a guitar amp and you can't get like 10K out of a guitar amp. Mm -hmm. So like, because I'd worked with bands a lot, the bands kind of mix themselves in a, a lot of ways. Like, like just, you know, like an amp is kind of like a big bandpass filter. Right, um, yeah. And yeah, so I was like, wait, I, so I can kind of simulate this by just using filters. Yeah. Okay, so do you just like find like I guess was it like resistor values that that are that cut off certain frequencies or let certain frequencies through and then just kind of sp place those in certain inputs and then uh yeah it's a little bit more complicated than that but um yeah basically it's it uses like uh you know fil filtering like sailing key filters like which is it's a similar topography to like what's in the the Buchla low pass gates. Okay. Uh huh. Um, but instead of using vectorals, I'm just using fixed resistors. And so I kind of I thought about where I would want things to sit, and then I did a few experiments with like doing it in software, and then kind of built one. And yeah, like the first time I plugged it in, I was like, oh, it's kind of quite cool. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking at it now. Let's see, six, nine. Let's see, nine. 21, I believe. 21. Okay. So um, you're basically, you're looking at the, it looks like the, uh, the, the graphic, it's actually like a stage. So you're like looking in from like through the fourth wall into this three-dimensional space. Um, now, I'm imagining the ones on the perimeter are kind of like, you know, you're on, on the left are kind of panned hard left, panned hard right. Is that, uh, and then kind of as you move towards the center? The, the, it's not quite hard panned, like. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, because it's kind of trying to make things kind of a little bit, you know, like more of a kind of friendly mix. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like w when you're in in the real world, you never kind of hear anything hard panned unless you're uh -huh. listening on headphones. Like even if you're listening on speakers, you're still hearing some of the left speaker in your right ear and the right, right in your left. Okay. Uh huh. So. It kind of like the the high frequency, like the the top row, they're almost hard panned, and then mm -hmm. the the high mids they come in a little bit. So it's like as you as you kind of step down the frequencies, the panning becomes a bit narrower. Okay, and so and and so as you're looking at them, they're kind of uh, separated um, frequency rise wise by rows. So the top yeah, rows yeah. are high, and then you okay, okay, cool. And then and then I see there are two two uh, knobs or four knobs actually, and then two CV controls. So what's going on with that stuff? Um, so on the left hand side, there's a, a depth control, which is basically mm -hmm. uh, it's blending between unfiltered and filtered versions of it. Um, okay. So, because uh, you may not want everything to be like hard filtered all right. the time. Okay. Like, and as you as you kind of turn that that depth control back, you get uh, it. It almost ends up more like a shelf, like a high and a low shelf. 
Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and then the on the right-hand side, it's a level control, which is basically just so that you can... Because, uh, like, you know, on a normal mixer, you would have, like, input gain, and then you'd have, like, channel level, and then you'd have a master volume. So it's it's basically just to replace all of those things so that you can... Um, you know, so you can turn it down a bit if you've got if you're using a lot of the inputs, but if you're only using a few, you can turn it up. Okay. Yeah. And and then the there's a left and right uh, CV CVN which each have a um, their own attenuator attenuverter. It looks like. Uh oh no, that's that. So the left and the right are output. Oh, are uh, the uh, the attenuverters are for yeah. CV control of the depth and the level. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. I got you. Right on. Yeah, there's like so, a little zigzaggy line that's kind of mm -hmm. linking them all up. The reason I'm going, like, I usually don't go quite this in depth on specific modules with, with guests, but we've talked, I mean, it seems like lately, not only on the podcast, but with people that I've talked to in, um, you know, just at shows and, and whatever, it seems like mixers are, there's, there's a bunch of different types and they're all very unique. And I'm, I've kind of just been on this, this search for, I really want to make my 7U like an awesome live case that I feel comfortable like pulling off a half hour show with. And, you know, to have a mixer with as many inputs as the soundstage, like I, I don't, there isn't any with that many inputs. So like one, to have that many inputs uh, in that, that smaller real estate seems super valuable. And then just to have the EQing built into it, it just seems like a really powerful live tool. Yeah. Um, I kind of, like, there's a lot of mixers in Euro that are kind of just like, you know, it's like getting a small desktop mixer and mm -hmm. squishing it down. Yeah. But then, you know, like, you end up having to lose some things like EQ control and stuff. And, like, I, I've got a little, like, little Mackie thing, which I use some of the time. Um, and it does a great job, like, that, you know, I... I wouldn't put something the same as that in the case because it would kind of cost more and it would be using up yeah. a bit of real estate. So yeah, I, that was kind of one of the things like I was like, there has to be a kind of better, more interesting way to do a mix. And I'm not saying that the other mixes are not good. Like, you know, everybody like everybody wants something different. But yeah, I, I just kind of worked out a way where I'm like, okay, I can I can make this kind of powerful kind of essence of a mixer to work in a very kind of modular way, like, because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like I've got one of the other mixers I've got is the the L1 voltage control stereo mixer, which is cool because mm -hmm. you've got voltage control panning on that, um, but it's also got VCAs on every channel, so is that the WMD? No, no, it's the L1. Um, oh, I'm not sure. It's I think sure. it, the dude's from Belarus or something. He does a lot of oh, DIY okay. stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, it's it's like four four inputs, like four mono inputs, and um, and yeah, like uh, basically a VCA on every one, and then voltage control panning as well. And mm. that's super cool. But I'm already running everything through a VCA as part of my signal chain, so mm. I would never ended up using those VCAs that were built into the mixer. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, like I was like, okay, well that's a thing I don't need. And like, I, I don't need to use the level control on that because I just would normally just turn it up and then I do my controlling of the level on the VCA that's in my signal path. Like, 
you know, like if, if I'm going oscillator, filter, VCA, I'm just like, it's easier for me to turn up and down the, you know, like the envelope input to the VCA rather than turn right. the mixer knob. Yeah. And it's funny, like yeah, the, my, my friend just made me a mixer actually. Um, he, he even named it, he called it Gordon, which is my middle name, which was really cool. But it's uh it's a 22 HP eight channel. You can pan them with a, a potentiometer, but it doesn't have CV panning, but I'm not so much interested in that. But what it does have, have that I'm suit like that is just like a premium for me. It has two sends with each with stereo re- returns. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, that's the thing with mixers, right? It's like the one you just listed, that's someone else's perfect mixer. And then the one I just talked about with somebody, you know, it's, it's mine. What I love about the soundstage, like the, the concept of it is within the world of modular, just because of the nature of the case being the power supply and there's limited real estate, especially in live, um, in live situations. I love that you just kind of made some, some tough decisions, but like interesting decisions that are like here, this is like, try this, this is going to work really, really well for some of you. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, I feel like it was, it was perfectly, it perfectly fits into like the whole like philosophy of the, the give and take and you can only do so much within space. So here's this thing. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just really, uh, I really admire it. Even I haven't even tried it and I'm already like, this thing's the <laughs> coolest thing. <laughs> um, so, and then um, I think when we were emailing, you said you had some new stuff that was kind of on its way. Yeah. Um, it's more stereo stuff because I am apparently obsessed with stereo things. <laughs> um, there's, uh, hang on, where's my camera? It's down here. Oh, shit. So it's a stereo filter called Parallax. Okay, um, that's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, so it's like, uh, uh, so, like, you know how there's there's a bunch of not quite stereo filters. Like, there'll be like a <laughs> you know two filters in one thing, and sometimes some of the controls are joined, or there might be CV that's normaled from one to two. Yeah, and then there's like some stereo filters where it's just like one frequency knob, like it's. Uh, like a like a mono filter, but in the inputs are stereo and, and inputs and outputs are stereo. So I kind of made this so you've got like a a frequency control which does the left and the right, um, but then there's this frequency skew control here in the middle. I don't know how big mm-hmm. your thing is, so you can see. Yeah, I can um, see it. Uh, so you can like skew the cutoff. So if you turn that to the left, it like the left filter cutoff goes up and the right goes down um just so there's a bit of like you can do the things in stereo that you would do you know in mono Uh um and yeah same with the resonance and then there's a bunch of a bunch of cv inputs as well with uh attenuators on both uh yeah and i've got a very cool there's a vca that goes with it as well um Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, similar kind of thing. Like, uh, there's like this skew control, which, uh, yeah, you can kind of go left to right and both of them as well. You can run, you can run a mono input into the left channel and then it goes through both. So you can kind of make, you can make stereo out of mono if you want. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. 
Very. And when you said they go together, what what do you mean? Are they do they like um, they work they work in conjunction with each other somehow? Or well, they or are you like, just saying they're both new? They're both new. Um, but I kind of I wanted to make a stereo filter, but then there's not really any point having a stereo filter if you don't have a stereo VCA, like <laughs> right. You know, like yeah, and I like. Uh, I mean, you you can patch with multiples and stuff. You can patch a VCA like two VCAs to be a stereo VCA, but yeah, mm-hmm. this is it's got like just kind of an easy way to to skew the image from the left to the right, and then CV control over that, so you can do kind of cool stereo modulation stuff that that you kind of can't okay. easily do with other stuff. Cool, and it looks like what like twelve and six HP eight. Uh, no, it's uh, sixteen and eight. Sixteen and eight. Okay, cool. And what? When do you think those are going to be uh, available? De- they're basically the they're kind of in production, but uh, there's some holdups because of coronavirus. So yeah, everybody. Yeah, it seems to be really hitting everybody. Yeah. Um, my my friend was going to build me a guitar pedal for my birthday, and he's like. Ah, it's going to be later because of coronavirus. So. Yeah, yeah. Um well, that's that's exciting, not coronavirus, but the new modules. Um so I guess uh so soon then as yeah, well like, as that. I mean, I Super I Booth before Super Booth should be. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um Right on. Well, we're going on an hour. Did um did I tell you about the patch challenge? Are you familiar with the patch challenge? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard. I have. I have Do listened you want to, to a few. One? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll see how we go. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to the patch challenge generator. I don't know if you can see this. Uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> one of my uh, one of the listeners out there, Sam Chittenden, made a little patch challenge generator. Cool. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So there's a bunch of moods. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna randomly list. There's a whole bunch of them, but I'm just gonna list off a few randomly. Um, happy, angry, light, aggressive, or peaceful. I, I I'm kind of drawn to peaceful because it's kind of it's morning here. So okay, all right, yeah. cool. And then I'll hit. Give me some words here. Soothing order. Oh yeah, we can go again. You like that? We can go again if you. I mean, you, I feel like if you give me too much of a choice, then uh, it's taking the challenge out of me. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, well, let's do soothing order. I like it. Before we get into Morgan's soothing order, I want to tell you a little bit about the Afterlater Audio Heritage Line. The Bosque Oscillator, which doubles as an LFO has triangle sine, saw, and pulse wave outputs, FM and pulse wave modulation CV inputs. The Envy envelope generator has end of rise and end of attack trigger outputs, CV inputs for attack, decay, sustain, and release, and a retrigger gate input. And the filthy filter has notch, low pass, band pass and high pass outputs with CV control over cutoff and resonance. All of these modules are 6 HP. I'm using two Envy's, two Bosque oscillators and one Filthy in this patch. And the two Bosque oscillators and two Envy's are providing all of the modulation control. 
I'm controlling the different distortions on the Pura Ruina distortion module from Noise Engineering. And I'm controlling the cutoff of a filthy filter with one of the LFO outputs of the box console. Please visit afterlateraudio.com to learn more about the Heritage Line. All right, let's check out Morgan's patch of Soothing Order.
<laughs> Got trapped in the modular black hole. It's it's amazing how fast time flies by when you're in the modular black hole, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like kind of just plugging some things in and <laughs> having a listen, maybe trying to tune some things, and then all of a sudden 15 minutes is gone. <laughs> yeah, last night I'm, I'm working on this track right now, and I'm and I was really excited about it, and I was felt like I was doing like well and 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 it's just kind of falling apart and so i was trying to build like a patch to fill it out last night and i got so far and then i'd rip it apart and then i'd look at the clock and say oh well that was 40 minutes that was all for nothing i did that three times in a row and came up with something that i kind of liked um (laughs) but so that's that's not bad yeah i mean it's it's you're you're richer for the experience no matter what i think um but yeah, so it sounds like the time went by fast. Were you? Uh, did you feel the pressure? Um, no, I, I, I was not feeling pressure. Good. I, good. Was, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was. I was feeling soothing order. Oh, good. Well, that's. I guess yeah. How much did the uh, the the words influence what you were doing? Um. I guess. A bit, but also I was kind of doing a lot of the things that I do anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I imagine like a lot of people are like, you know, thinking about the the topic, but doing the things that they do because it's not like you're going to invent new techniques or anything just right. because someone says some words to you. Right, right. Yeah. So you kind of, uh, you went with some, some, uh, some of your, your, Let's see. Typical techniques. Um, what did you use? Um, I used like uh, two vector spaces. I, I I used all my modules actually because I kind of feel like it would be silly if I didn't. Yeah. And also they're my favorite. <laughs> they're my favorite modules for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I used like two vector spaces with a bunch of different modulation things running into them. So like uh, I've got like a sloths and a hyper chaos something. Um, and uh, Turing machine and Wogglebug and I think what else am I using? There's maths, tough maths in there. So you well. like random? Sounds like. Yeah, well, I I like I like random. I also like not random. But yeah. if there's no random, then I get really bored. Like yeah, I kind of I like I like setting it up setting like the system up to do something and then I'm kind of guiding it, but it like, if it can't go off and do something that I wouldn't have thought of, then it's not very interesting to me. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I like, I mean, so like a Turing machine and I, I had a woggle bug and I want another woggle bug. I think a Turing machine and a woggle bug is, is are both essential in, in mm. any kit really. Um, and the noise, the noise ring is great as well. I haven't got it in, I, like I made a separate case, like a uh-huh. little case with, with a whole bunch of weird Malico stuff. Yeah. But, um, Wogglebug is one of my favorites too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I like the noise ring as well. Um, oh yeah. Noise ring. That's, that's what I was so trying to say. <laughs> did you, uh, did you, do you think you, you achieved soothing order? Uh, uh soothing. Yes. And some <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's more like trying to make the, like it's it's already soothing, and I'm just trying to impose a bit of order onto the things. Yeah, that I did. Yeah, 
Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing. I wish I forgot to ask you during our main mm-hmm. portion. Um, but uh, I have a couple listeners down in down in Australia, and I was just wondering, like, what's what's the scene like there in Melbourne? Um, it's really great. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. There's like a a few kind of like there's there's definitely a lot of people kind of involved with modular and there's like a, a this group called Vic Mod which has been running for a while which um kind of it started off as like a DIY build group thing but um it's kind of i don't know how to describe it now but it it's i guess it's like it's more like a a monthly meeting of uh, okay. of modular people um uh but yeah there's like i don't know i, f- I kind of feel like a, there's like quite a few like manufacturers in Australia as well. Like Is it nonlinear circuits down there? Yeah, yeah. And like um uh there's another company from Melbourne called Serpens. Um Oh yeah. Yeah, they just released something new, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That five channel like mixer and sequencer and clock divider and Yeah. That's divider. why I said something because I was like, I think yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. bunch of different things. Yeah, I'm really interested yeah. in that. I want to talk to them as well. Yeah, and that like that it's cool because they've got like their own aesthetic that is very distinctive and quite cool. I think. Yeah. yeah their, their face plates alone. Like I, I, I'm like, I don't even care what, it, what it is. I, I want, I want that. Cause the graphics so cool. It's got kind of yeah, got yeah. that like death metal thing going. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And are those all, are all those all in the same town or? Um, yeah, well, they're from Melbourne. Um, analog ordinance is from oh, yeah, Queensland yeah. somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. there's, uh, what's Justin's thing called? Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for forgetting. <laughs> um, oh, crap. Uh, it's too early in the morning for me to remember things. But <laughs> there's like, um, you know those tendrils cables? Yeah. That's a guy mm-hmm. That's a guy from Melbourne as well. Um, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, there's, there's kind of a lot of stuff going on. And I think considering like the population, like Australia has got like 10% of the, probably less than one-tenth of the people in, than the US has. Uh-huh. Um, I think... I think there's kind of a lot of stuff going on, considering. Very cool. Well, shout out to all um, all of our Aussie, all of our. I'm gonna. I'm oh, gonna I be, d- so, sorry, I got to interrupt. I just remembered uh, that jo- Justin's company is called Metro Modular. Metro Modular. And okay. I, I would have, I, yeah, I would have felt bad if I had just forgotten. And then, <laughs> <laughs> do you hate that when you forget something that is like kind of unforgettable? And then you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. I actually did that on the show. Uh, recently, and I forgot somebody who's like a dear friend, and and I was blanking on like who was all at this thing, and I was like, well, duh, it was like my buddy, yeah, it was. So yeah, I know how it goes. Um, yeah, so shout out to all of our mates down under, as us U.S. people would dorkily say. Um, <laughs> yeah, is there uh, is there anything else that you wanted to get off your chest or shout from the modular mountaintops before we signed off? No, nah, not that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time, Morgan. And um, yeah, I just, uh, with all the mixer talk, I think anybody who wasn't uh, familiar with Soundstage is going to be pretty excited about that and, and your new stuff and just everything you're doing. I think it's a really interesting space that you're filling in the, in the modular world. Um, so I'm glad that we got oh, to cool. chat. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Um, and anywhere, where do people want to go check your stuff out? Um... I've got a website which is warongelectronics.com. <laughs> um uh yeah, there's I've got stuff in a bunch of stores which is uh 
So the US uh, Perfect Circuit Midwest Modular Control. Um, uh, in the UK, I've got Signal, uh, Rubber Dub, and uh, Cumber Beats. I think that's how you pronounce it. I always forget how you say it. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't pronounce Welsh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, Schneider's Laden, uh found sound in Australia, which is like my friend's shop. It's a great shop um, in Melbourne. Uh, and Animato Modular in Hong Kong and uh, uh, Clockface in Tokyo have just started stocking. Very stuff, cool. So, yeah. Awesome. And I'm, I'm, I've kind of, I've got some cool ideas for interesting things that it's going to happen with the shops. So I don't want to say anything more because we'll see what happens. But there should be a cool thing happening soon. Yeah, keep me updated (laughs) and I'll I'll make an announcement on a future episode. And that's our show. Thank you so much, Morgan, for coming on. And uh, don't forget, if you want to win a Needham Woodworks case, visit NeedhamWoodworks.com to learn how. A 15U and up to 160 HP, so you'll have some say in the width of it. Um, Just have to pay for shipping. So you're saving yourself a hefty chunk of change to get a very, very beautiful, nice case. I am so happy with mine. Um, So yeah, don't forget to do that. Also, don't forget, I've got a new EP out with my friend Tess. It's called the Stutterpunk EP. It's on Self Center Records or Spotify. Uh, I had a lot of fun making that, and uh, I'm very proud of it. So please check that out. Also, thank you to our sponsors, Patchworks, After Later Audio, Eschatonic Modular, and most of all, thank you for listening. Because if you didn't listen to it, I'd just be a crazy person talking into a mic. Until next week. <laughs>